minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. Happy off day, everybody. Welcome into the Mastin All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings here from the Mastin Newsroom, where we used to host podcasts all for the 2020 season. Back at it in person. Thank you so much for joining us, making a part of your off day afternoon on this Thursday after the Nationals swept the Blue Jays at home and head back out on a road trip. Hopefully you're joining us live on Mastin National's YouTube channel and or Facebook page, commenting along throughout the course of the show. We'd love to hear from you. We have a lot to talk about. And if not, catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Amy, good to see you in person again. It's been a couple of weeks since we were last in the web studio, now in the newsroom. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here next to you again. You know how I like to do these podcasts in person. Um, Nationals just got back-to-back wins for yeah. the first time in um, almost a month, so excited about that. And I go to the beach tomorrow. Till Tuesday. So yeah. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Not as good as you. I mean, you're you're a little traveling. I don't know what, but you, know, you've been all around all like over the place. A year of cooped up, and now I just want to get out and travel. Yeah. Do it as, as safely as possible, but uh, definitely. Where were you? You just were something a couple somewhere. New York. New York. That's right. You went to New York. So you're just going up and down the yep. East Coast. Anywhere I can get. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going. Yeah. Lucky you. Um, no, not traveling as much for me, but. Um, it, yeah, I mean we're getting close to September. That's nice. I'm I'm very sick. I know we we I try not to talk too much about the weather on this podcast because it's very boring and it's like very cliche and it's like how are you doing? Oh, the weather's better. But I am so sick of the humidity. Um, I was covering for uh, Mark Zuckerman, who was covering for Dan, who was covering for Bob Carpenter at Nationals Park yesterday, and just the sitting humidity in DC is I I'm so over it. I got rained on walking in. I felt like I was in Jurassic Park where I was soaking wet and then the humidity did not allow me to dry off. So I was just just a pile of I sweat feel bad and, for whoever had moisture. to sit next to you in the no press one. box. Luckily, I got my own I got my own uh, row, which is a was a good thing. Um try to sit underneath the AC vent didn't help. Um <laughs> just so I am very over this humidity. I am ready for it to be fall, a little cooler air. Um but yeah, not traveling too much. Yeah. Um, I'm watching more baseball, but glad you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, jealous. See, here's my fear now is that I'm going to go to Florida and it's going to rain the whole time I'm there because there's all these ah. storms coming up and down the coast. So we'll see how that turns out. But um, I don't love rain either. And I definitely don't like humidity. So. Yeah, I would. <laughs> mm, I mean, are, are you staying like right on the beach or are you staying in like. I'm flying to Tallahassee. My aunt lives in Tallahassee and okay. then we're going to the beach. So. And so there's like a beach house mm-hmm. you're going to on the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. So like. It's not like you, if you're, if it rains, you're completely just like stuck in like a hotel room or something like that. You at least have a house to hang out in. You can see the the sunrise and everything or set whatever side you're on. I don't know really how house he is, but um, that's nice. Um, Yeah. Two games against the Blue Jays. Weird interleague two game series. The Nationals swept. Good win. Um, Very, another impressive outing by Josiah Gray last night. I mean, you know, as of course the Nationals focus for this year has shifted our focus on the podcast will also shift so you know we're not talking as much of like the day-to-day operation for the big league club looking ahead looking at the standings as much as we were a couple months ago now we're more so looking at the big picture the future um and 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 some progression of guys uh, some development of guys at the major league club and on the minor league system um we're going to talk about setting some goals for this team that we want to see accomplished before the end of the season um, some specific guys that we want to see and what they need to accomplish to maybe feel better about going into the 2022 year uh, and set themselves up for the off season. Um, but first, before we do that, Amy, uh, some kind of important news. We were kind of struggling what to talk about today, and uh, thank God MLB Pipeline gave us <laughs> brand new information to talk about. They came out with their new top 100 rankings and top 30 rankings uh, for each team's individual prospects. Um, and some movement for the Nationals. We haven't had too much uh, over the past couple of years. This has not been a topic of conversation for us for the past couple of seasons. I believe we even had to talk about last year how the Nats at one point didn't have anyone in the top 100, and then Kate Cavalli finally cracked the top 100 at 99 overall. Now with this new top 100 coming out near the end of this season in August, they have four guys in the top 
uh, 100 per MLB pipeline, which is pretty exciting. Right, it is. because, And it's kind of crazy how the conversation shifted from, oh, this is a team that's just coming off a World Series win. It's okay that they have such a, a low-rated farm system. They didn't have anybody in the top 100. Then Kate Cavalli just sneaking in. wasn't really a topic of conversation because we weren't so much worried about their prospect rankings and the minor leagues. But now we're kind of like, oh, we're rebuilding now. We need to worry about who's coming up in the farm system. So it's becoming an important topic of conversation and having three having four names in there, three of which weren't even with the organization a month ago, is, is a good sign and, and um, gives Nats fans something to look forward to. Yeah, Nats fans should have MOE Pipeline uh, bookmarked and their Baseball America subscriptions up to date uh, because you're going to be need checking those quite frequently over the next couple of seasons. Let's, let's talk about who cracked the top 100. Uh, these are the overall prospects in all of baseball, um, crossing all the teams. Cade Cavalli, Jumped, uh, made one of the biggest jumps of any prospect in the top 100. He rose 58 spots to number 41 overall um, uh, for him, which is very exciting. Like we said, uh, he was only as high as 99 uh, when he entered. I think he got up until around the mid-60s-ish or earlier part of this year, but now up to 41, the top 50, just outside of the top 40, which is great. Kibert Ruiz, who, of course, is now the Nationals' number one overall prospect, uh, he rose 38 spots, number 19, so the Nationals now have a top 20 prospect, which is very exciting. And Brady House, the number one, uh, the first-round pick, number 11 overall from this this past draft, enters the top 100 at number 60. Um, so and Josiah Gray is in there at 54, um, which is uh, kind of surprising because, I mean, he's got major league experience, but Cavalli jumping him is, is pretty significant. But, again, like I said, four guys in the top 60 now. Uh, mm-hmm. you, can, you can just scratch top 100 with Brady House being at 60. Impressive. Uh, obviously, we're seeing immediate uh, gains from the return from the Max Scherzer-Trey Turner uh, deal uh, with uh, Gray obviously contributing at the major league level, pitching really strongly yesterday, and Kiba Ruiz cracking the top 20. Uh, impressive stuff, and the rest of the top 30 for the Nationals is is, is good to see as well. Right, and it's it's definitely exciting to see the immediate reward of those trades. Three of, the, three of these four weren't even in the organization a month ago, of course, Brady House coming from uh, the Nationals' uh, first-round pick, but I think what's really exciting is that you see two pitchers who are expected to be a big part of this rotation in the, uh, moving forward, and Kate Cavalli and Josiah Gray, because we know when this team has a, um, a strong rotation, they win games. Um, to, to see two of those guys uh, in the top 100 from this organization is exciting. Yeah, and actually, if you look even further, now let's go to the Nationals' top 10. Um, and, you know, you know we've got to we've got to really get some pointers um, uh, at uh, the O's bros, as I like to call them, because, you know, <laughs> they've been covering an uh, expansive minor league system for a couple of years now. Now the Nationals are entering a similar phase that the Orioles are in terms of a rebuild. Uh, they do a great job of covering. I mean, I, I'm just so worried that I'm not going to remember all these prospects' names, uh, but Brendan and Paul on the Orioles side do a great job there, so we've got to talk to them about some pointers. You know, they – did their podcast earlier today. They dove deep into, you know, the Orioles have a bunch of guys on the top 100, what that means. They've got had guys rising and falling for a couple of years now. This is kind of brand new territory for the Nationals, right? Because like we said, they haven't had too many guys in this ranking for a couple of years now. Now all of a sudden they've got four in the top 60, which is exciting, but obviously is a sign that, you know, things are changing around here for the organization top to bottom. And we move over to their top 30 and you look at the top 10, actually, and three of the guys in the top 10 came in that one deal with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Dodgers. Uh, if you add Gerardo Carrillo, who's number eight overall right-handed pitcher uh, in the Nationals' top 30, to go along with Ruiz and Gray. So, I mean, that right there just shows Mike Rizzo's plan right there and the, and the thought process that we talked about a lot behind trading a guy like Scherzer and Trey Turner with a year left of controllability because uh, you now have netted uh, a top 20 overall prospect in Ruiz and then two other guys that are immediately inserted in your top 10. Oh, and that's just adding depth and strength to your farm system, which they desperately needed. Right, and, you know, we talked about it last week, but if they wouldn't have dealt Trey Turner, they probably wouldn't right. have got this return, and you wouldn't see all of these names now in the Nationals' um, top 10 and across baseball in the top 100. So exciting for them. You see the immediate reward. Um, and we're going to be talking a lot more about prospects in this organization because now it's a lot more important um, um, and you see what, what Mike Rizzo is doing here. Yeah, and, you know, this is also probably going to change by season's end too, right? Because 
Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember the exact requirements when it comes to a pitcher, but Josiah Gray figures to um, graduate from prospect level by the end of the season. So that'll shift everybody up. We'll have someone enter the top 10 as he, you know, transitions to being a full-time major leaguer. Um, it's also interesting that Cavalli is now number two. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, Cavalli was three and Gray was two. Uh, Jackson Rutledge stays in the top five, even though he's had, he struggled this year and had a couple of injuries to deal with. Um, but you know, like you mentioned, you've got Ruiz and Cavalli, uh, you know, really high up and, and these figures to be, like we said, the next wave of great nationals. And we talked about how, you know, it is a tough breakup of seeing all these guys that were big parts of a world series championship that have been along for a number of years that fans fall in love with. Well, these are the names that you're going to fall in love with over the next couple of years. And these guys, like Mike Rizzo said, countless times these guys are the guys that they figure will be a part of Washington's next championship club um, so it, it is pretty exciting but it you know it, it is going to take some learning it's going to take some some watching you know checking minor league box scores looking at milb.com and, and watching some games um, the focus has definitely shifted from the major league club down to the minor league system and hopefully ideally you know Gray's are obviously already up there but We'll see some of these names, if not by the end of the season, definitely the beginning of next season. And there is something to be said about following along with these guys, seeing how they progress, how they move up through the through the farm system, and following them and then seeing on your big league club and seeing the, these are players that you've been following for months or for years um, and seeing how they kind of put together a competitive team again in years to come. Obviously, Orioles fans have experience with that. Like you talked about the Oosbros, um following through the minor <laughs> league system, and Nats fans are going to have to get used to this mm-hmm. at least for a few years. It seems like for the time being. Yeah, and someone uh, when I was tweeting out my uh, some of the notes from these new rankings from MLB Pipeline, replying to me by by these rankings, nothing is guaranteed. Well, yeah, nothing's guaranteed ever. I mean, especially in baseball and minor league baseball. You know, you guys are there are hundreds, if not thousands, of guys that enter minor league baseball every year, and don't even see as high as Double A AA or Triple A and have to you know call it quits. It's just very hard to not only make it as a minor league player, but as an organization count on a lot of these guys and then expect them to contribute in a major way uh, at the major league level. Especially injuries with pitchers. Nationals have so many pitchers higher up in their organization. Obviously that's changed with their recent trades, but injuries, things change so often. You see it in how much the the rankings change. Um, So nothing's guaranteed, but it certainly gives you an idea and a framework of the talent that they have and the talent that they've gained just over the last few weeks. Yeah. And, you know, these the rankings are, are are just that they're rankings. I like akin them to like you know the weekly power rankings that MLB releases. You know that it literally means nothing. It, it's just it's just guys like us talking <laughs> about these teams and these prospects on behind a microphone or camera behind a keyboard, whatever it may be. You know, I, I guarantee. I mean, we talked a little bit about last year because the Nationals were the thirtieth ranked farm system. I think they are now. 23 or 22 right per MLB pipeline. I did not see a new updated uh, farm system ranking. It was just a top 100 and top 30 for each club. But, you know, we talked about how Mike Rizzo doesn't really concern himself too much. Yes, it probably bothers him that publications think he has the worst farm system, but he trusts his guys. He trusts the prospects that he signs, that he brings in here, uh, the coaching staff that he hires on the minor league system, uh, the, uh, the the scouts, everything, you know, and, and, and he has, and he's earned that trust, right? He's earned that benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing he always talks about the one-year, three-year, five-year plans, um, and he's got one right here. I would assume that the five-year plan here is that you, the guys that you see ranked right here in the top ten are going to be major league ball players within those five years. And that's the difference between going through a complete rebuild and a little reboot. You don't need a, a ton, a ton of talent like other organizations that are completely rebuilding. They get a couple of these guys in. Once they're up at the big league level ready to compete, they sign a couple guys that are already in the bigs, free agents, so on and so forth, to fill those spots, and then they're competing again. It's not a whole rebuild. You don't need 30 guys in your farm system that rank high uh, to fill those spots. So yeah. I, that's the difference. We didn't have to be so much concerned before. Now you're a little bit more concerned. There's more eyes on this list. Uh, exciting to see four in the top 100. Yeah, you know, you're not expecting these top 30 guys to be that your next major league roster, right? Exactly. Not all those guys are going to make the major leagues at some point. Um, and, and just another note in terms of on that, uh, you know, the Nats, uh, this uh, ranking that MLB Pipeline just ranked out, the Nats organization as a whole ranked eighth in terms of their quote-unquote prospect points. Again, they did not release a fa- updated farm rankings, but if you want to count prospect points, which they don't 
describe what that is. So I, don't, I can't tell you, so don't don't blame the messenger. But they're eighth, <laughs> and that sounds like a good thing. Yeah. Uh, they got 230 <laughs> prospect points. Again, not sure what that means, but they're in the top 10 of all farm systems. That's got to be a good – that's points. a good sign in my mind, right? I mean, I, they did not describe what that means, but that's a good thing. Uh, my guess is that they were not ranked in the top 10 in prospect points this time last year. <laughs> that would be my <laughs> guess too. So, And eighth is good. Eighth is good. Eighth top, top, I mean, considering where they've been, that is good, and you would have to take that if you're a Nationals fan. And like you said, looking at this mini retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it, um, it's better what they have been, and that's a good first step. All right, and we're going to see these guys probably pretty soon. We've already seen Josiah Gray, obviously, a lot, four times on the mound so far this year, so that'll be exciting, along with the rest of the young guys in their system that are getting their chance at the big league level because of the situation that the Nationals are in now. Yeah. Well, so thoughts on Josiah Gray. Let's um, Because, like I said, he is going to uh, most likely graduate from prospect status in – next month or so you know I, i'm assuming mlb pipeline updates this we'll update this again at the end of the season um but like you said four starts it seems like every start he makes is another stepping stone toward him being um the frontline starter that the nationals envisioned him to be after they acquired him um what have you seen so far he's been very impressive i mean the stuff plays in my mind he he's very composed out there yesterday showing a little bit of energy coming off the mound <laughs> um he's very personable and mature when he talks to the media after games just again i know we've talked about this a lot but we're going to talk about him almost every week probably from this point on for the season impressions on josiah gray after start number four well i mean just to start with he's had four good quality starts in a row and that might be more than we've seen out of any national that's a very excellent point <laughs> you know? maybe other than paulo espino which right? is insane yeah he probably had four good starts in a row there but when it is it's insane and you have to like i mean you couldn't have asked for more from josiah gray so far this season i mean he's proving that he can go out there keeps his composure he's working out of jams you saw that in the sixth inning yep. uh, last night he's trusting and using his breaking balls more which davy martinez says he wants to see more um he's learning how to attack hitters every time he goes out there he's getting more and more comfortable I think the only thing you can complain about is that he's given up those seven home runs 11 so far in the big leagues which is a, a good amount for the amount of innings that he's pitched but they're all been solo home runs all seven yeah. home runs he's given up for the Nationals have been solo shots um, so the best pitchers in baseball give up solo home runs you can kind of live with that when he's not walking guys not walking guys ahead of those home runs um, and, and he's been in control every start you have have to like what you're seeing yep and 10 of the 11 home runs he's given up in the majors total including his two outings with the dodgers have been solo shots so not crushing right they're not the most devastating things in the world max scherzer talked about it all the time i think he's even been asked about it because of the irony of him coming over for max and like you know solo shots aren't going to beat you and they they really haven't i mean other than that braves game when he gave up the one at home when he gave up three solo home runs uh in that he ended up taking the loss in that game you would think if if he exited after five innings and was only down three nothing or whatever the score was, had only given up three runs. That's a pretty solid outing for a rookie against a Braves lineup that is looking to win a division right now. Um, but yeah, so the the solo shots haven't hurt him that much. Um, he he mixed in his off speed stuff and his breaking pitches uh, yesterday a lot better than he had in the past. Um, he got a handful of swing and miss with his sliders. I think ten out of fifteen times. Uh, that the uh, the the Blue Jays swung at his slider, they missed, and then half the time, which was only six, but so three out of six times they swung at his curveball, they missed, which is very impressive. Um, you know, so like I said, the stuff is going to play up there. We know that he's been on the verge of being a, a major league starter for a couple of for at least a season now, and obviously made his major league debut with the Dodgers earlier this year. He's going to get his opportunity to make his starts for the rest of the season. You know, we probably will see what there's 42 games left in the year probably gonna see five eight more starts no that isn't right four divide by five yeah eight yes seven, eight eight ish seven eight ish seven. more starts for for josiah gray we're good at math here um <laughs> Uh, for the rest of the season. So that's going to give you a pretty decent sample size. And I, I'm look, also looking for him to go a little bit deeper in the game. That's something that Davey Martinez mentioned before yesterday's start that they were trying to do. Uh, he, he he matched 87 pitches, which is his season high, which he did in his previous start. Uh, he ran into some bad luck because of the way the position, the batting order turned over in the, position, the situ situation of the game. 
kind of forced Davies' hand to pinch hit Ryan Zimmerman for him, which ended up working out well. They got an insurance run. Um, but they're, they're trying to get him a, to go a little deeper in the game. Maybe complete a seventh inning will be the next step. Get closer to 100 pitches in an outing. Uh, really kind of stretching his arm out to being that kind of major league pitcher that will go deep in the game and you don't have to use too many bullpen arms. I know, you almost were like, God, put him back out there and put him back out there. But obviously, Davey Martinez is going to be careful with him, not only health-wise, you don't want him to get hurt, of course, he's so young, but also confidence-wise. You know, he gave up yeah. two runs, six innings. Um, he probably felt pretty confident and he doesn't want to push it too far and, you know, get in his head. But you have to like what you've seen. Also, yesterday, you were talking about how humid it was. The ball was flying out yesterday. Yes. So that's half of the reason probably and against the blue jays so yeah, yeah that kind of is what it is you can kind of excuse those those home runs yeah and, and josiah said after the game too you know look at that lineup over there they they've top, he's like the top four hitters are like all all stars right. and are all gonna hit over 20 home runs on the season so you know it, it and like we said with the Braves too, I mean he's faced tough lineups. The Braves too. He's twice, only, right? For the tw the Braves twice, the Blue Jays yesterday, and then his first outing was against the Phillies. He's faced tough lineups, and he was even asked like, you know, how do you? And his first start, uh, I guess no, not start. His first appearance, uh, major league debut was against the Giants, and someone asked him yesterday was like, how, you know. You faced some of the best lineups in in the major leagues in a limited action, like how, like that's got to be a positive somehow. And he was like, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, I'm learning on the fly against the best of the best, and he's had pretty good success considering he's 23 year old rookie. Um, so th that's a great sign. You know, it'd be maybe not concerning, but it, this might be a slightly different conversation if he was doing this against the Marlins mm -hmm. and, you know, a lowly Cubs team right now and stuff like the, the Rockies. He did face the Rockies earlier this year, but like bad teams, he's doing them against competitors. And that's, that, that's, you know, something, a box to check and be like, that's noteworthy. Yeah. That's exciting to see. And just like I said, you know, when the nationals have a strong rotation, that's when they have yeah. winning seasons. And it's exciting to see right now you're getting a firsthand look of who could be at the front end of your rotation in the future. Um, and I think that's something to look forward to. And it gives nationals, uh, a reason nationals fans, a reason, reason to watch. Uh, Colin saying answer questions, Bobby, but I don't see any questions being asked on Facebook, so go ahead and ask them uh, as we kind of continue along with the conversation. Um, other guys making a quick, uh, making interesting, I mean, we're talking about prospects right now. I guess we could go Cavalli, but we're pretty much in agreement that we don't expect to see him up at the Major League roster this at the end of this year. Kiber Ruiz, that is someone we do expect to see in September. You know, they're going to make September call-ups, I think, Rosters do expand to 30 in September. I know they shortened it from a couple of years ago, but I think you, so you'll get like two or three more guys um, in September. I would expect Kiber Ruiz to be one of them. One problem is, is that we're seeing some good things from <laughs> Riley Adams and Tres Barrera up here too. So how is Davey going to split up those innings and those at-bats between three guys? I, I, they would bring Ruiz up here, I'm assuming, to get some at-bats, but by, also we know that they like to get them have them play on a regular basis. So if there's no at-bats for Ruiz to have up here, maybe we won't see him. I, I still think we do, though. I, I, him <laughs> coming in, I would have assumed we were going to see him and yeah. see him pretty quick. But the way that Riley Adams has been playing, catching, hitting, and everything, um, I don't know that we will. It's, it's, I don't, I don't think we will. expected this part of it. I, I think the day of the trade, it was immediately thinking, Ruiz. we'll, we'll see Ruiz before the end of the season. Now it's the way that Tress and, and, and Riley are playing. I, I, I kind of agree. Maybe not. I still think that there is at some point he will come up because he Why has not? major league experience. Right. It's not like he'll be making his debut. I don't think there's going to be any um, um, like service time Consequences que questions service times, to, yeah. to, to cross over. Uh, but we, you're, it is interesting. Yeah, and we were talking about maybe unless Riley Adams because, you know, we had the, he had that big walk-off, then he kind of – cooled down after that and we were like well maybe unless he really doesn't hit then we'll see him really soon but he went two for three last night he went three hits and three rbis the night before he's hitting yeah. and he's showing that he should be catching uh, a lot at the big league level and i think he had something like three extra base hits over his last three games um so it's not like he's just getting bloop singles or like right. you know you know getting on base via an error. He's he's crushing the ball. He's hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, and Tress has had a couple of days off now, so we'll probably see him play uh, a bunch this this weekend in Milwaukee. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it just depends how how the Nationals view Kibe Ruiz. My, my thing is that if you view him as your catcher of the future, 
why, I mean, he, he pro- obviously probably knows Josiah pretty well at this point, but why not have him just come up and catch a sure. few games? I, I, we mentioned last year, I don't think Rochester is going anywhere in their league. I don't think they're playoff eligible. I think they're under 500. So their season won't go too much further than anybody else's. So, you know, and, and we've seen this team before. Now they were competing at that time, but we've seen them carry three catches before and find use for them. True. You could never have too many catchers, as we've seen earlier <laughs> in this year. And I also think the health of uh, Alex Avila plays into part in that because if he comes back healthy, he might then be your everyday catcher, and then that takes bats away from Tris and Riley. So there's a lot of factors going on there. My guess is that because he already has major league experience, he is the number one overall prospect right now. Show the fans what you got. Go see what he can do. It, yeah. No harm, no foul kind of if you bring him up, I, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, other than that, who else have we seen? That we, Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas. Up. That's yeah. somebody that we talked about last week that we thought we would see over the next week. Of course we did. Uh, he went two for four with a walk in his first game with the Nationals. Immediately worth the trade right. for John Lester. Right. I think in his first that bet single down the left field line. Nationals won that trade. And maybe he's <laughs> going to end up being your starting left fielder. There's a lot of options out there right now, um, obviously, after all the trades. And even before that, when Kyle Schwerber got hurt. Um, so maybe he's going to be the left fielder of the future. It's hard to tell. We'll see how that shakes out. But if he keeps hitting, it's certainly worth that trade. Nobody thought they were going to get anything for John Lester, and they did. So that's uh, immediately worth it. <laughs> yeah, you know my thing with Lane Thomas. I, at bare minimum, his floor, I think, is being like a Andrew Stevenson type and right. you know just just a guy that you can you know he's fast we know he's fast we know he plays really great defense just a guy you can throw out there um uh and then be your fourth outfielder on the bench come out in a pinch hitting situation also the Nationals desperately needed a right-handed hitting outfielder and you know because you look across it's the one on the roster right now is Soto uh, Stevenson Para and Hernandez and then Robles is your only other right-handed hitting outfielder. True. So they, they kind of needed that that bat, that bat off the bench to go along with Zimmerman uh, because otherwise everyone else is left-handed. It helps you play matchups a little bit more uh, down the line. So, yeah, Lane Thomas, immediately a victory in that trade. Um, I saw, I think we saw yesterday, we didn't get the Riley Adams versus Brad Hand matchup that everyone so desperately wanted. But Brad Hand did give up the go-ahead home run, the eventual game-winning home run to uh, Josh Bell. And then... Um, so, and Riley, like we talked about, has had success this week. So that, you know, Trey, you can maybe already mark as a win. We'll see how Brad Hand fares the rest of the season. But, you know, we're, we're you know everything's kind of working out for the Nationals. I know the victories aren't there. I know that they are now staring at either a last-place finish, another top, maybe a top-ten pick next year. But I, I, they're in every single game. Which is kind of frustrating when you're covering the game and you have to write a game story. It, it, it makes it really difficult because you're kind of scrambling at the end. But they are battling there every single game. I've heard a lot of reports that the team is still surprisingly having a lot of fun. Even though with all the losing they did, they just lost like seven in a row and like nine out of ten a week ago. But, you know, the mood around the clubhouse is that there's no pressure anymore. And that they can just go out and have fun. A lot of guys are up there for the first time uh, for an extended period of time. So it's been fun for them despite the losing. And we're seeing progress and we're seeing development right before our eyes at the major league level. Right, because these are a lot of guys that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. And, hey, a top 10 draft pick next year isn't too bad. That's not. I mean, that, that would only help their re- reboot or yeah. whatever we want to call it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and, you know, for a moment there, they were staring at, like, a top five pick, right. which is, I mean, the last time the Nats picked that high, they got Anthony Rendon. So, you know, it, it, that's, look at, look. you know, you're going to hear a lot of comparisons to the Orioles over the next couple of probably seasons from us. Which is us. probably a little dramatic. It's a little, but, but, but you know what I mean? And it's, I think it's fair. And you can point to, look, the Orioles were a team that had one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Now they have, in some publications, the number one overall farm system. They have the top-rated player in Adley Rushman, and they have the top pitching prospect in Grayson Rodriguez. If the Nationals can follow that blueprint in maybe a smaller period of time, that is... That's that's the goal right there. I, I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm not saying that the Nationals are are a lock to do that. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be easy, mm-hmm. but that's the blueprint right there in a shorter amount of time, going from one of the worst to one of the best and having some of the top guys. And how do the Orioles did do that? They had they've had top top picks. three picks in the last 
top five picks in the last three drafts, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more. So if the Nationals are heading for a top five pick, that's in a way a good thing. Yeah, Talked about it last year. I know. know. I was going to say, as a Nationals fan, are you, if you're being honest, I'll, I'll be honest, team lose some games here so we get a higher pick? Oh, um, you know what? I think so. As a, if I'm putting on, let me put on my fan cap right now. <laughs> um, yes, um, and I'm not saying that they. I'm not saying that I don't. I don't think they will do this, and I'm not saying that they're going to do this. But I just don't think that the team that they have, because again, they're developing guys, is going to be able to compete with some of the guys that they're going to have to go up against. They have a really tough schedule until at least mid September. Mm-hmm. They're facing a lot of contenders. Obviously, the Brewers this weekend, the Marlins next week, but then they got the Mets and the Phillies. Um, and then the Braves and Mets. And it's like a nine-game road trip or ten-game yeah. road trip or something. So, but they just got they just they've got contender after contender for the next like two weeks, maybe three. And it's not until they go to Pittsburgh on September 10th is where the schedule kind of eases up. They play the Pirates, the Marlins, the Rockies, the Marlins, um, uh, the Reds, Rockies, and then finish with the Red Sox at home uh, for the rest of the season. So you know, outside of the Red Sox and maybe even the Reds. You know, all those guys are pretty much mm-hmm. out of it. So, uh, but I'm just th- I'm thinking that because they do play a lot of contenders over the next couple of weeks, they're not going to win a lot of those games. Unfortunately, it's not going to have to be intentional. But you know, against the Pirates, against the Marlins, against the Rockies, those might be important games in that that's going to affect draft positioning. Mm-hmm. Which talk about the MLB draft about how you know it's very hard. It doesn't really mean that much in the immediate future. But if you're going to do re- a retooling or rebuilding. Going to point to the Orioles mm-hmm. again. That's how they did it. They're having success right there. You know, it, what is... It could work. What is sweeping the Marlins on the road in late September if had you lost one or two games? This happened last year. If they would have lost one game in the last series of the season against the Mets, they would have had a top 10 pick. They, if they lost two games, they would have had a top five pick. I know it's a shortened season, but the point remains. So what is three wins against the Marlins in September if you can possibly have a top five pick next year. I'm with you. I'm with you, Bobby. So I was just curious what your, what your opinion was. I'm not saying. I mean, I know you never want to just see your team lose. No, no fan wants that. No. The players don't want that. But if it all works out in the end that they get a higher draft pick, then it all works out. Especially with a lot of division games, I, I don't want them to lose, and I don't want these other. I can't tell if I what I hate more. I, I don't no, want we, the na- we t- we've talked about I don't want the Nationals to lose, but I, I really don't want the other teams to right. win. Like. I, I would ra- I would I would love to play spoiler for and they could you know for because I you know they're, the wild card isn't going to come out of the National League East so they're going to spo- the Nationals could spoil at least two of their divi- you know between the Phillies Mets and Braves they can spoil True. at least two of those seasons possibly True. Uh, and I would love that I know someone has to win which no one should because the NL East has been terrible when everyone thought it would be great this year I know um, but the Nationals could play spoiler and I love that so. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not rooting for them to lose any game on a nightly basis, but the overall picture, if they have a losing record at the end of the season from now over these last 40 games and they somehow find themselves in the top 10, top 5, can't be too upset, I don't think. All right. What else are you looking for the rest of the season? Let's set some goals um, because, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how there are guys who are, like I, we just said with Josiah Gray, kind of learning on the fly, developing on the fly. You know, it's not like a Kate Cavalli situation where he is still working out some stuff at double A um, and, and looking forward to maybe starting next year at triple A and then making his debut. No, there are guys who have been here around for a while um, on the major league roster who are trying to make a name for themselves, trying to find a place in this team's future because now that that's been all kind of thrown up in the air, nothing's really a guarantee anymore. I think Mark Zuckerman has done a couple pieces already kind of along the lines of who on the current roster is going to be a major factor moving forward. Um, So that's been kind of interesting to read. So setting some goals for some guys, I think one of my – I'll go one that's not so obvious. Maybe I'll start with an obvious one. Carter Keboom and Luis Garcia. Those are two guys that are going to play every day from here on out. Those are two guys that need to show, and they have different ways to do this, show that they can be a part of this team's future. Carter Keboom needs to show that he can be productive at the plate and not a liability in the field. I think Luis Garcia has shown that he, I mean, the numbers aren't there, but I think 
Luis Garcia, just from the eye test, looks like he's a little more comfortable at the plate than Carter is. He needs to show that he can be a reliable second baseman, possibly a shortstop moving forward. So those are two guys that need to prove something over these last 42 games in order for Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo to feel comfortable and confident in them. We feel like we say this every year, especially with Carter, Mm -hmm. moving forward. Well, yeah, and that's interesting because when Luis Garcia came up last year, we you liked what you saw out of him. Oh, yeah. He did a lot more than I think a lot of people expected, but they've been kind of hesitant to bring him up. There are a lot of times this year where they could have brought him up and he could have been in the position to play every day, and they haven't been. Maybe that's because they're nurturing him as a prospect, um, whereas they were willing to just throw Carter up there and say, hey, you're our everyday third baseman. You need to you need to do it now or never. So that's kind of the difference between those two, but those are two guys who are in the position now to prove their worth and prove that they can do it every day. Carter Keboom looks a million and 10 times yeah. better at the plate than he ever did. He just got his third home run on the season last night and or yesterday, and that's he only had three extra base hits in his whole time in the majors before he came yeah. up this year. So that's he's he's doing a million times better. His hard hit percentage is up almost 15%. He's pulling the ball a whole lot more, and maybe he's kind of getting back to the hitter that he was when he had so much success in the minor leagues. And whether it's proving his worth for another team um, and, and upping his value um, so that they can make some moves in the offseason or whether he's proving that he's going to be the third baseman of the future next year because they have a lot of positions to fill and you know they're not going to be spending a ton of money because maybe next year they're not going to be competing. Probably not. Um, so maybe they are going to commit to him again. But you have to like what you've seen. His defense still needs some work, but he looks so much, so much better at the plate. I, 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 I think the... Should the Nats strike Carter Keyboom conversation has sailed. Mm-hmm. I think that ship has sailed. I, I just think that, unfortunately, Carter played himself out of that. I don't think he looks appealing at all to other teams. I think you're going to see Carter Keyboom be your opening day third baseman next year, and he's going to play the majority of the games there. Um, and he's going to sink or swim. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. And that's kind of where a lot of guys are going to be as the Nationals move forward. So, you know, he's still struggling at the field. I know he's learning third base. I know he's now having to learn it at the major league level on a consistent basis, but maybe, like I said, sink or swim, maybe that's the way he has to do it. It's the simple things with Carter. You know, yeah. you mentioned the at the plate. You're right. He looks a lot better at the plate, which is good. But, you know, there was a play yesterday in the sixth inning, and this is where Josiah Gray ran into trouble, which he didn't need to. It's not Josiah's fault because there was – he gave up a double, a two-out double, and then uh, a ground ball to third base. Carter picks it up and looks to second base – but the runner was already at third. Right. It's like there's two outs. The play's at first. doesn't matter who's at third or second or even on first. That There's two outs. The play is at first. And, and sometimes when you're playing out of position, okay, but he's it was been a there for traditional too long ground a ball down regular, the third baseline. Exactly. And, he, you know, he looked, he, the, the thing is, he didn't even look to first first and then look at second. He looked straight to second. And it's like, it's two outs. That runner is going to be running on contact. I mean, it's just it's situational stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and that's something he needs to learn. Um, you know, there was kind of an audible gasp in the press box, being like, "What is he doing? Like, how, there's two outs. Just sure. look at first base." <laughs> so it's stuff like that for Carter. Uh, making the smart play. That's my goal for him for the end of the season. Just make the smart routine play. Stick to your fundamentals. You know, if you throw it to first and you don't get them, I will live with that. But don't don't look at second. Yeah, that just shows that you're that to me that's more of a mental block than a physical block. And if that's what he has to get over with, that's fine. But that you're putting, I feel like you're making it harder on yourself by not being mentally in the game. Right, and that's one of the things that Davey Martinez, when he was talking about Carter Keboom and his defense, was just slowing everything down, keeping your feet underneath of you, you know, gathering the ball closer mm-hmm. to your body, keeping your hands closer to you before you go to make the throw. Um, all of those things, just slowing the game down, will help him make those plays. And then the the mental blocks, it probably just takes playing there every single day yeah. uh, to get, to get past that. But he looks better at the plate. He's not taking strike three like we saw so many times before um much better control and hopefully yeah goal for him is to keep hitting get his defense together because he probably would be who we see at third base yeah. next year um, another goal that i want to set um we just did terrible math trying to figure out the start how many starts each guy's going to have left let's just say it's a wrap if it's 40 games left you divide by five that's eight so eight starts left for each guy eric fetty 
Now, he's in a position that I don't think anyone expected him to be in at this point of the season, and it's definitely not the way that he would want it to be, considering the injuries. But right now, Eric Fetty has the quick track, the fast track to being an important part of this rotation next year. He, theoretically, I mean, if, if Strasburg's back healthy and Patrick Corbin, mm. I, he's going to be there. Eric Fetty could be the number three starter next year on opening day. Which is insane, but you know, you look at the injury to to Joe Ross, and and thank goodness he does not need another Tommy John surgery right now. Austin Voth, Dave Martinez said yesterday that they are going to strictly use him out of the bullpen, so he's no longer a competition. And, you know, we talked about how every year we seem like we're talking about who of these three guys is going to take that fifth starter's role. It's Eric Fetty's now, I mean, and, and that's just <laughs> whether the fact you want of the it matter. anymore or not. <laughs> it, it's his, and he's not a free agent until. After the 2024 season, he's arbitration eligible, so he's going to be around. And remember, he does not have uh, that fourth option anymore. So he's going to be a factor in this rotation. He's pitched pretty well this season. You know, he's had some some blips here and there. But overall, it's been, I think, satisfactory for the Nationals, considering where they are. Um, and he needs to just finish strong and prove that he can be a full-time starter. And I'll go kind of with another guy in this bullpen or in this rotation that needs to get it together because he's obviously going to be a factor for years to come is Patrick yeah. Corbin. I don't know what it is or what it's going to be, but he has three years left on this six-year contract, and he hasn't been the pitcher he's been since 2019 over the past two years. Uh, so he has to get it figured out. Now's a good time because there's a whole lot less pressure towards yeah. the beginning of the season. He he had pressure on him every single start. Now it's kind of like you have some time to work, work some things out and figure it out. Um, but he hasn't been obviously effective over the last two seasons. And he has to figure it out because he went from being, uh, you know, just as strong as Steven Strasburg or Max Scherzer on any given start to being a liability in this rotation. You know, unfortunately, I, I do not mean this in a mean way, but unfortunately, no one's really tuning in to watch Patrick Corbin anymore. Mm -hmm. And that, like, like, I think that helps take the pressure off. Like you said, um, I think people are going to be tuning in to watch Josiah Gray. And like I said, Eric Fetty and, you know, if whoever, not really, but he's not, Right now, he is the front of the rotation, but he's not the main concern of the rotation, you know? So I think taking the pressure off, like you said, is a, is a big deal. Hopefully, he's not worried about living up to his contract. Right, look, right now, you can't live up to it with the remainder of the season, right? It's just not possible. So just finish strong. Just finish strong. Work your slider. Use your fastball fastball more because everyone is just sitting on that slider. Uh, I, I think if he incorporates his fastball a little bit more over the over the last couple of starts, um, that he'll find some more success because he's fine. He had so many troubles earlier in the season getting out of the first inning, and then he had trouble getting deep into the game, and then he had trouble <laughs> finishing the game. That's where we are right now. He can get through the order twice. It's that third time that pitchers know or hitters know he's going to throw a slider and when he does I'm going to crush it right and in 2019 that slider was so effective yeah. he got so many swings and misses on that slider that's his pitch and he's still throwing that slider a whole lot it's still his pitch it's just not as effective as it used as it used to be so it is working on that pitch selection his sequencing learning how to attack hitters again and hopefully he can figure it figure it out with the starts that he has left another important one I think and shifting out away from pitching real quick Juan Soto, is it safe to say or fair to say or okay to say that I am concerned for Juan Soto? Not for his production. This is something, <laughs> this goal that I'm going to set, has. there's no way to quantify it. We're not going to have numbers or stats to back it up whether I'm right or wrong. I need Juan Soto to finish the season in a good headspace in and in a, in a, with a positive attitude. For me, I've seen him caught on camera looking a little too frustrated at times, which I understand, right? He is a all-star caliber player. He is an MVP caliber player, and he's now on a team that's looking like they're going to lose, you know, 80 games. Mm -hmm. it, probably more, actually. They're not going to finish 500. So 90, 90 plus games. I, I just need him to maybe just get to the end of the season, reset, and come back fresh next year and be the happy, smiling Juan Soto that we've seen over the past couple of years. Because otherwise, it's going to be a – it could get ugly fast, I think. And that, that, that frightens me. And he might as well just have fun. I mean, yeah. he's getting on base at – in 
a phenomenal percentage. The production's there. There's nothing to be frustrated about his game. I think he's frustrated about the situation of the team. Yeah. And that's what, that could be an even bigger issue, right. which is for me. And he's kind of been pretty pretty vocal about it, and you see it, or he'll, I mean, he's trying, and he draws a ton of walks, which is why he's one of the best hitters in all of baseball, one of the best at the plate. But it'll take, you know, strike three, like, just outside the zone, and it isn't a strike, and then he's, like, going crazy. Like, you know, you can see how frustrated he is. Um, so maybe he just needs to go up there, swing the bat a little bit more, be mm -hmm. a little more be a little less selective um, and just try to have fun the rest of the season. But it is tough because he's on a completely different team now than he was when he first came up with the Nationals and certainly more than he was just at the beginning of the season. He leads the majors with 92 walks and a 443 on base percentage and his OPS is at 960, mm. which would be the second highest of his career only to the uh, record-setting 11.85 he posted last year in 47 games. So, like we said, the the numbers are there, the stats are there. You know, he, he's not hitting the ball. He, I mean, he's he just got 20 home runs yesterday, which is a good sign. Uh, but he's getting on base. His numbers are there. His defense still looks good. It's not the production on the field. It's what's happening off the field, which draws concern for me. So I need Juan Soto to finish not only strong in the field, but also in a good mental place. Um, I know that Davey Martinez has constant conversations with him about what's going on what's what what the plan is because let's be real if there's any chance that the nationals are going to be competitive in the next couple of years or aside from that sign Juan Soto for the long term Juan Soto has to know and want to know that there's a reason to stay and want to stay. And did you see the Instagram caption, the whole thing? Oh, like the, New York. the New York state of mind or yeah. whatever and he, said. he said. Everyone says like, that. No, but he said something. Hold on. I'll look it up. <laughs> I, I saw people making a big hoopla about Juan it. So I so automatically turned away because that, that turns me off. But yeah. uh, I did see he said, you know, when they were playing the Mets, like New York like state of mind. future or something. Oh. I mean, hashtag future, hashtag dream. Yeah, every yeah. Hashtag big. Uh, Bryce Harper said the same thing. Well, Bryce Harper said the same thing. Maybe he wants those dreams. He ended up in true. Philly and almost ended up back here. So true. never know, never know. But what young player doesn't want to play for the Yankees? Well, um, <laughs> everyone wants to play for the Yankees as a kid. Max Scherzer didn't want to. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Speaking from a Yankees fan. <laughs> uh, any other goals you've got I coming think, off the top of your head? You know, just some of these young arms in the bullpen, they're getting to throw a lot more innings, being put in a lot more high leverage situations. So it's kind of a chance for them to maybe shape out a role in this bullpen in the future. Um, you know, you obviously don't expect them to go out and get a whole bunch of arms in the offseason. So guys like Kyle Finnegan, who's being asked to close out a lot of games, being put in high leverage situations, just go out there and do his job every single outing. It's kind of difficult when you're thrown right into the mix and in those high leverage situations. But just guys like him, Gabe Klobositz, Andrews, Andrews Machado, um, all of those Mason guys. Mason Thompson. Yep, Mason Thompson. Ryan Harper, uh, who had a rough outing, but, you know, he's had some 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 good outings recently um, just to do their job and, you know, build a spot for themselves in the in the bullpen while they have the chance. Yeah, Ryan Harper doesn't, isn't usually used in high-leverage situations like he was yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be kind of forgiven. I mean, his ERA is still like below two in a little over 20 outings, I want to say, on top of my head. I think he's pitched, like, collectively at like 22, 23 innings. So that's... And Davis said after the game, those days happen. Mm -hmm. Move past it. And we've we've seen it with Kyle Finnegan recently too. And then Kyle Finnegan just came out and recorded a four out save. So, you know, it just I think you're right. I think the the bullpen to me, if we're talking about winning games, the bullpen is gonna be a reason this team loses games, unfortunately, because there are there's no real reliable arm back there anymore. You know, there isn't a Daniel Hudson, a Brad Hand, whoever there, there is no the most reliable arm they have right now is probably Kyle Finnegan. Right, um, because Tanner Rainey has been hurt and down at AAA, and Wander Suarez is at AAA, um, and the other bunch of guys are, are are rookies or don't have a lot of experience. So Kyle Finnegan might be the most experienced and reliable arm out there, and he's had his ups and downs too. So I think I agree. the The bullpen needs to just their goal is to shake it off when you have a bad day. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're unfortunately in my mind going to be the reason the Nats lose a lot of games to end the season. When that happens. 
you're going to pitch. David Martinez well, says you're going to pitch, so you have to forget it. Short-term memory loss is key for the bullpen. And the good news is just they have to pitch. So if they have a bad outing, they have no choice but to shake it off and go right back out there and get that bad taste out of their mouth. So that's the good thing. But yeah. a lot of those guys are getting a chance they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, and they just need to go out there and do what they can and hopefully earn themselves a spot in the – the bullpen moving forward. Anything else for you, Bobby? Uh, I just want to, because I, I want to read uh, Juan Soto's stat line for August, because he's having a ridiculous August. In 15 games, keep in mind that this is 15 games um, where he's averaged like 27 games in every other month. So he has not even played the majority of the month yet, um, or half the month yet. He has 20 walks to just 13 strikeouts for an on-base percentage of 569 and an 1152 OPS in in 15 games. The production's there. Good Lord, is he getting on base and and being productive. Now, he only has eight RBIs and two home runs, but that's because no one's pitching to him. Why would you pitch to Juan Soto? And that's going to fall a lot on Josh Bell, but giving him some protection. Josh Bell, I think, grounded into a double play and popped out the first two times. Uh, Juan Soto drew a walk yesterday. The third time, obviously, Bell made Brad Hand pay for it. Um, but if if Bell's providing decent production, especially from the right side of the plate, Juan Soto, though, we should see those, those numbers stay where they are or even get increased because he's no one's going to pitch to him, and he's getting on base. His eye is just incredible. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, and lastly, Victor Robles is another guy who yeah. no better time to figure it out. Just just bat leadoff. Just come on. Bat leadoff. Yeah. Get on base. Don't strike out. Put the ball in play. Either get, get on base or put the ball pitch. in play. Just like in a, like, you know, a good Don't spot. get hurt. No, don't get but hurt, but <laughs> just in a good spot, you I, know, how he does it. Kind of the same idea with Keebum, but it's more so like, uh, I guess the, the process is more important to me with Victor than the result. If you're not swinging at bad pitches and you're putting good pitches in play, that's all I really care about at this point because as, an on ba- as a leadoff guy with your speed, that's all they really need from him. You would, because you know he puts a chopper in the infield. He has a chance to to be out the throw, right? You, uh, I just you can't see the bad hacks, the swinging and falling mm-hmm. to your knees, <laughs> the looking at a ball right down the middle. Right. Put the ball in play or take your base. That's gonna be the key for Victor Robles. That's your goal for the last month of the season. Mm-hmm. Does that pretty much wrap it up? That's everything I have. Well, I don't want to postpone your vacation anymore because I know you got to get going. You got to probably got to pack. You got mm-hmm. an early flight tomorrow. Early 5 a.m. flight. Um, big shout out to Brendan Mortensen for working uh, the board behind the scenes and to Paul Mancano for bringing our lunch this afternoon. We really appreciate it from Wawa. Uh, if you're tuned in, hopefully you enjoy the conversation on Facebook and on YouTube. We are live every week on those platforms, on the video. And if not, you're catching the audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud at Amy Jennings News for Amy. A lot of good stuff on Mass and National social media accounts. And I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again for everyone who helped out on the show. We will see you sometime next week as the Nationals hit the road and they face the Brewers this weekend. For Amy, Brendan, I'm Bobby. Thanks so much. We'll catch you later.